Hey, thank you so much for checking out today's video. I'm Pastor Matt, this is Pastor Adrienne, and we pray this message blesses you and encourages you all throughout your week. Absolutely. For any more information on how to be praying with us or to become a part of our community or to give, please head on over to takeovergera.com. Bringing the word today. Thank you guys. <laughs> cool graphic, babe. Thanks. I asked for a graphic last night and uh, that is pretty, pretty cool. Y'all, how good is it to be here this morning? So good. All right, let's just talk about the elephant in the room. Um, my hair. So, well, these boots were made for preaching and that's what I'm going to do this week. Um, so, my hair, really quick. Um, my hair's been a lot of different colors lately, and I decided yesterday I kind of want to strip the color out and make it a little, a little less colorful, and I melted my hair off. So, it's shorter today, and a little bit of a different color, but thank God I have a husband as talented as I do, because the girls look and fly, you know what I mean? Alright, so, who is grateful to be here this morning? Yes? Your life, the people who have come and gone, the places you've been, the places you've left. You're here this morning in a community of believers. We worship the Lord and we're going to continue to equip the saints. Yeah, Does that sound good? Yeah. We're here. We made it. All right? So um, the, the series that we are in is still This Is Us. And it has been a great series. And as I kind of was getting ready to do this, um, I really thought that I was supposed to be preaching about something else. And um, this is always the way that it is for me. I don't know if there's like a method for everyone. I think it's probably pretty different for everybody. Matt and I have discussed this at length. Um, but for me, I would just love it if God was like, this is the thing, and you're going to do it. And it's never that way. It's like a lot of wrestling. And I almost write an entire different sermon, and then I read an entirely different sermon. And, um, I was going to be talking about uh, coming out of Romans again and just talking about how we're all called and how we're all in different seasons and we all come from different places, but we're, we're called. And um, as, I, as I prayed about that and um, just continued to press in and really wrestle with it, because I think that that's what it is for me, even though I hate that. It's being uncomfortable and it's wrestling. Um, God really told me that we were going to talk about discouragement this morning. So the title of my message is Lions in Our Lives. And I'm just going to wrap it around and say that we're all called to not be discouraged. Oh, yeah. So even though that's what I thought I was going to preach on, this is what we're preaching on this morning. Yeah. Um, I feel like that people at large in the Christian community are, are facing a lot of discouragement these days. And I feel particularly in our community, seeing the prayer cards seeing the praise cards, that discouragement is a real thing. And I think that people know about the joy of Christ, and they know that they don't have to be discouraged, but they don't necessarily know what to do with that discouragement, or how to combat that discouragement. And I certainly don't want to miss out on the joy of Christ. Do you guys? No. Everybody wants that. Everybody wants that freedom. And if we take a minute this morning and, and we're honest, and we just think, you just think quietly to yourself, I'm not gonna make you raise your hand. Is there an area in your life where you are facing some kind of discouragement? You just pan over your life, but you can raise your hand. If you wanna raise your hand, raise your hand, y'all. 
Two, three people, four people. Okay, all right. Okay, so just that was just a, a quick glance over your life. If there's anything in your life now, if there's more than one area in your life where you're facing discouragement, raise your hand. Okay, right. That's what I suspected. So this can look like, I mean, it can look like anything. You've been waiting on a move of God. You're expected for a vision. You need him to, to come through for you in some way. You need some deep re revelation. You need a resurrection, maybe. There, there is something that all of us are facing in our lives where we need to see something happen. It could have been years that you've been waiting. It could have been your whole life that you've been waiting. And, I mean, we all have something. It could be the death of a loved one that we're facing. It could be needing to see a breakthrough in the workplace. It could be the healing of a child or the ability to even become pregnant. And for some of us, right now in this very moment, we are living within the consequences of a decision that we made and we are just praying for God to have mercy on us. That is very, very real. And in Psalm 7 it says, Lord my God, I take refuge in you. Save and deliver me from all who pursue me or they will tear me apart like a lion and rip me to pieces with no one to rescue me. People, situations, our own self-sabotaging beliefs can play the part of lions in our lives. Spiritual lions are real. They have teeth and they are hunting us all of the time. And we've all been to John Ball Zoo. We've all seen the very nice exhibit that's there. We've gone and we've looked at the lions and wow, they're so big, and oh, they're so cute, and um, we, we've seen them. And we've watched, we've gone home, we've watched Madagascar, and we're like, oh, lion, so cool, you know? Um, and I think that because of our interaction and our understanding of lions today, that this scripture and so many other scriptures like it kind of lose the reality of what it really means in that scripture to be torn apart by lions. So I'm just gonna fill you in a little bit on, um, on what that looks like. When David wrote this scripture, talking about lions, he had actually been in the physical presence of lions in Israel. He had, he had fended them off from his sheep, he had seen them close up, and what he was looking at was a 570 pound lion. 570 pounds, 10 and a half feet from tip to tail. They have 30 teeth, and 650 pounds of bite pressure. They have retractable claws that are an inch and a half long, and they are comparable in their makeup to carbon fiber, which is what they make airplanes out of, or the wind, the wind blades that generate all the, the wind power. These animals are gigantic. And if that doesn't make that any more real for you, going to tell you a little story. You can look it up later. Don't Google it now. Um, in 1890, there was a rail company that was trying to put a railway through the bottom portion of Africa. And they had 135 men who were attacked and killed by two lions in less than six months. Now that's completely erratic behavior for lions. They don't do that. Um, the, the people who lived there actually said that it was like they were spirits. 
that there was something very spiritual about these lions and the attacks that they were committing because it wasn't out of food, which is, the, is their primary drive for why they attack and they hunt. It's for food. They don't do it for fun. They're actually kind of terrible hunters. We'll talk about that in a second. <laughs> 135 workers were attacked and killed. They call those two lines the ghost and the darkness. And it's spooky and it's fitting because today we're talking about spiritual lines. If we reread that scripture, Lord my God, I take refuge in you. Save and deliver me from all who pursue me, or they will tear me apart like a lion and rip me to pieces with no one to rescue me. We can feel that. We understand that reality. We can sense what that would be like to be in the presence of a lion, the danger, the fear. And when we're talking about feeling discouraged, what we're dealing with is that we've got some lions in our lives that we need to get rid of. So what does discouragement mean? It means a loss of confidence or enthusiasm. It can even mean to be brokenhearted. It means that we've either forgotten who God is or we've forgotten who we are in him. We know that he's our refuge, he delivers us, he made the sacrifice to rescue us from death, hell, and the grave. That's who he is. And we are his children, his bride, his saints. We are the children of God. And it says in Joshua, have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous, do not be frightened, and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. But we are being hunted. Lions stalk their prey. They take a lot of time to stalk. They're actually pretty patient. They're stalking you through your Instagram. They're watching you in the workplace. They're aware of what you're doing at home, what you're, what you're doing when you're watching the news and how that's affecting you. They're watching for a weak moment. And this is how and when a lion will attack. They'll wait for a moment, and when they sense that weakness, they'll rush in, and almost 600 pounds of spiritual force will knock you off your feet. They need to knock you off your feet so that they can put their mouth around your neck and suffocate you. They'll try to break your neck, or they'll try to suffocate you. Who knows that discouragement feels like suffocation? Right? So, that force that's going to knock you off your feet can come in the guise of a harmful comment from a friend. It can be a bad interaction with a neighbor or just feeling not included or left out or unloved. Those are all, they don't look like an attack, but they can sure knock you off your feet. And some synonyms of discouragement are to depress, dismay, frighten, intimidate, confuse, dampen, or alarm. Discouragement is a spiritual attack. Depression is a symptom. Fearfulness is a symptom. Confusion is a symptom. Who doesn't look at the world right now and feel some kind of fright or alarm? I mean, yeah, it's getting kind of crazy. I know I do. Who doesn't look at what they're being asked to do for, at work right now, and maybe it's completely anti-Christian, and feel some type of confusion or fearfulness about what you're being asked or told to do. Yeah. There are teachers who are being asked to teach things to students that are straight up 
not Jesus. And their hearts are breaking for what they have to do. Discouragement comes at any time, any place. And it's something in our life that is a blow or an attack that if we forget how to combat it, we can just let it keep happening. Or we can let it stay. That's the danger. Is that if you don't know how to combat it, and it comes into your life, and it's set up camp, there's a very good chance that that becomes normal behavior for you. To be saved, but deeply, deeply burdened. Does that make sense? What if I told you that lions never hunt alone? Never. If you have a lion in your life, there's a very good chance that you have more than one. Wow, wow, that's good. When lions hunt prey, they only hunt prey that is, is too large for them to handle on their own. So we're talking drabs, we're talking wildebeests, water buffalo, or large zebras. So you are a spiritual entity that is too large for a single lion to take on its own. So there's going to be multiple to exhaust you and try to suffocate you and get you to quit. If you said that you felt discouraged before in just one area, if you take a better look now, there's potentially more than one area that you can see where there might be another form of discouragement. If I asked you how many people during the day feel like you have a better handle on it, than you do at night, how many people resonate with that? Yeah. 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 Okay. So lions primarily hunt at night. Wow. Now, if you think about it, you are mentally at your weakest just before you go to sleep. Right. Your body is tired, your brain is tired. And that is when it's easy for these lions to come and torment you. I have experienced such torment in, in stressful areas of my life and stressful seasons at night just before I'm going to bed because that is when I feel like I have the least amount of control and we're going to talk about that in a second but at the beginning of that scripture it says that God saves and delivers us from the lions so how do we combat the lions the short answer long is knowing who God is and knowing who you are in God (laughs) the short answer is by remembering who God is and who he created you to be. Now, I am going to talk about the book of Job, which I know everyone is very excited about. Everybody loves that book. Um, But I do want to say that the essence of Job is to remember who God is and who we are in him. And when I talked about the sleeping at night and the night lions, the best way to combat that is with scripture about who God is and who he's created you to be. The Lord did not give me a spirit of fear, but a power and of love and a sound mind. If that is what you meditate on, as you're falling asleep, even when if you feel that you're weak, you're going to be so built up and so full of that scripture that there's nothing else that's going to be able to press in. Does that make sense? All right, so the book of Job. (laughs) We are all familiar with this book. Maybe maybe there's some people who are not. Um, By the way, if you're new here, my name's Adrienne. I'm a co-pastor with my husband. Sorry, I probably should have introduced myself. Welcome. Um, if you have not read the book of Job, maybe you're like Kanye and you thought the book of Job was a job. As did I, because it's work. It's work to get through that book. And when I was done, I always felt kind of unsettled. 
Like, this was a good guy. And he suffered so much. And it was so hard for me to understand what God was trying to say through that suffering. And a couple months back, I went through that book again as I'm going through the Bible in the year. And I was like, ugh, Job, here we go. Okay, we're going to do it. And uh, it just came alive for me in such a different way. I don't know if it's because I was going through a season of suffering at that time, and I really read what God was saying in his heart for his people, that's us, and it completely and radically changed my understanding of the book of Job. So if you're not familiar with the book, Job is a good and righteous man. He lives a good life. He loves God. He's very, very prosperous. And at one point in the heavenly realms, the enemy approaches God and says, Pretty much, um, the only reason that this guy loves you and worships you is because he's got a lot of stuff. Like his life is easy. That's why. It's because he has all these things and he and he's comfortable and and that's why it's easy for him to to praise you and to love you. And if you just take all those things away, he's not going to praise you anymore. And God, knowing and understanding his servant Job, does not prevent the enemy from attacking Job. So Job endures a lot of lions in his life. His entire family is decimated. All of his children are killed. His wealth is completely destroyed. His health is annihilated. It's attacked. And even his wife just tells him to roll over, curse God, and die. <laughs> that's, that's not a good partner. <laughs> we, we coach our couples better, right? Yeah. Yes. And just when you think that that is everything he can endure, his so-called friends show up and spend chapter upon chapter upon chapter about telling him all of the things that he potentially could have done wrong that offended God, that are sin, and are causing what is going on in his life. Going on in his life. And he just says, I wish you were right. I wish that one of those things was it. Because it's not. I've done all of those things. And if one of those things were correct, I could repent and turn, and I wouldn't be experiencing this anymore, supposedly. But he hasn't. He's a good man. He's a righteous man. He hasn't done any of those things. And he goes on to say that he wants to die, and he wants to die so badly, he, he's to the point where he wishes he had never even been born. That's how badly he is discouraged. And I will say that in regards to his friends showing up, who knows that when you go through a terrible season, you have to have the right people around you. You have to have the right people to speak into your life or else a paper cut will become a devastating move. If you don't have the right encouragers, if you don't have the right people to coach you or cheer for you or encourage you to press on, you will give up. You will want to roll over, curse God, and die. And that is not what he has for you. So when God does show up and to speak to Job, because he's listening and he sees all these things that have happened, he, the first thing he says to him is how, did, how, how gross how he is by his friends. He's literally like, yuck. Those guys, nah. So I want to draw how important that is, again, the people that we have in our lives. To talk about his discouragement, We've all been there. We've all been discouraged in different areas of our lives, and I don't know what they are today. 
but they can look like, God, what is going on in my marriage? Why does that person talk to me the way that they do? Why do I respond to them in the way that I do? I don't want to respond that way. What is going on? It can look like, why do I let this person hurt me? Why does what they say mean so much to me when I know that I shouldn't care? Why does it weigh me down so heavily? Why does it hurt me so deeply? Lord, where are you? Why do I feel so alone? Where are the friends that everyone else seems to have? Where is my family? Jesus, why has my healing not come? Why is the sickness in my body? Why must I endure this? And are all those questions too big for God? No. Is your brokenness too big for God? No. no. He sees you intimately. He understands intimately why you feel the way that you do, why you're hurting, why it hurts you. Yeah. He knows better than you know. Yeah. He gets it before you do. Because he's always been there. And he always will be. Amen. Have you ever... This is me personally talking. Have you ever legit flipped out over something that was this big? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> He's experienced me doing that a lot, so... Um, you legit blow your top. It might take 15 minutes, maybe 20 to come back down. You're freaked out. They're alarmed. Because that should not upset you the way that it did. And you're like, what is going on? What is going on inside of there that I don't understand? Why does... Why do I feel confused by something coming out of me over something that doesn't even make sense? God understands. He knows. He knows the wire that's connected to it, oh, another wire that's connected to a string that's connected down deep inside of you to a memory where you were a small child and overlooked. All you wanted was friends. All you wanted was acceptance. And you were passed over again and again and again. And not being invited to something so small, not being asked to be there, or just feeling like you're on the outside bubbles up into this huge thing, you just blow your top. God sees all of those things inside of us, the mess of wire that's all tangled up inside and attached to all these different memories and all these different things that we live through. How we were raised, what we experienced, the hurt, the brokenness, the joy, the happiness, all of it, all of that makes sense to him, even when it doesn't to us. He sees how when we look in the mirror, at times we can hate what we're looking at. He sees why we feel that way. It's not right, but he sees and he knows why. He knows how it's connected. We can be confident in front of each other, and we can cry quietly 
over alone. And that doesn't make sense. We can act confidently, but we cannot feel that for a single second, and that is absolutely devastating. To be trapped in that place, acting like two different people and not knowing why. And could it be that in your life, there was an encourager that you needed encouragement from and they didn't encourage you and they just tore you down? And you carry that wound forward? So anything, even if it's a compliment, you can't accept it because it doesn't line up to the experience that you had previously. He sees that deep down inside of you. He knows that. Before we do. He knows all of that. He knows the wounds inside. If we take time with the Holy Spirit and we pray, God can reveal these things to us. But when we're actively just walking on surface level, we are walking wounded all the time. And that is how we're engaging and experiencing and trying to fend off lions in our lives. Because they see that stuff. They see that weakness down inside of us. And they're just licking their lips, waiting for the right combination of events so that they can rush in and knock us off on our feet. God sees and understands all. He's big enough for our brokenness. So back to Job. Again, when he witnesses Job crying out and he hears all the stuff that his friend says, he shows up and he talks about how dissatisfied he is with them for a minute. And then, instead of answering Job's questions, he asks Job more questions. So he answers a question with a question, which is so annoying, but you know it's God. So he can do whatever he wants. And he just starts out by asking Job where Job was when God created and gave dimension and physical qualities to the world at the beginning of time. Where was Job? Were you there? Did you see it? When he mapped out the seas and the heights of the mountains, when he brought something from absolutely nothing, does Job command the morning to begin and the day to cease? Does he know all of these things intimately in the way that God does? He asks him 77 questions like this, which then they range from all over the place. It's, a, it's insane. And all of the questions, the answer is, is that only God understands fully the power of all of the questions that he asked. Only God was there. Only God was there when it was designed. Only God knows why it works that way. Only God. Only God knows what we're going through and why. And Job's response to that, his first response to that, is that he's unworthy. And he places his hand over his mouth. Who knows that we should do that sooner sometimes. <laughs> yeah? Yeah, it takes some of us a minute. I'm, I'm definitely there. This, this conversation, conversation continues where God further demonstrates his awesomeness to Job, his power and his infinite knowing. Job, God, Job, there we go, did it. Job sees that God is more powerful than any lion in his life, more substantial and more real than any sickness or loss or persecution. God is moved for Job. He loves Job, just like he loves us. And he is not above telling him the hard truth that what we see is but a glimpse of why things are happening the way that they are. He is God. And he let him, and if we let him, everything will be worked through us to his glory. When we overcome, God is glorified. When we survive, God is glorified. When we are healed, God is glorified. 
when we reject our own understanding, discouragement, and fear for faith in his goodness and his love for us, he is glorified. Job needed to remember who God was, and we need to remember who God is. It takes the teeth from the lion's mouth. Discouragement is real. The lions are real. How are we engaging with those lions? Who are we letting speak into our life? Are you trusting God that even when the night is dark and the pain is great, that he knows what is happening? Do you trust him to see you through that darkness? We had some friends over the other week and they have gone through a lot. There is definitely reason for discouragement and I understand it. And we had an amazing night. We, we did worship and we did some, some stuff in the natural that was stirring up the supernatural. And it was pretty amazing. And we just let them talk for a minute and um, one of them said that everything's going to be okay. God's got us. God's got us, and everything's going to be good. And even if it's not, we're going to be okay. And that moved me. That moved me deeply because being able to worship in a time of crushing is huge. It's so, so huge. And that encouraged me deeply. To rejoice in, in sorrow is a true strength. Do not be suffocated by fear and doubt. Know who your God is. When God allows incredible pain, it births incredible power. Trust your God. Yeah. It says in John 16, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. There is no promise of a pain-free life. Sorry if you got that, but it's not actually in there. The amazing thing is, is that we are fully equipped with tools to properly engage in a life that could be crushing otherwise. We have to learn how to recognize the lions in, the, in our lives so that we can get them out of there. If God does not orchestrate the attacks from the lions, but he does work through those to free us, to heal us, and to transform us. I don't understand, but he does he's overcome the world. And the last little thing I want to say about the lions is, is that even though they are apex predators and they are pretty massive and incredible in size, um, only 30% of their hunt is successful. So they kind of suck. <laughs> so they're kind of burdensome, but they also can suck. So what that tells me is that one, God's covering is incredible. The power that he gives us, that runs through us, is amazing. And it can save us from so many things. And the other thing it tells me is that the enemy's power is limited. Yeah. If he has to send so many different things to try to knock us off of our feet, to confuse us, suffocate us, he's got to try pretty dang hard. It means he doesn't have all the power that we think he does. And I think so many times that we give him too much credit. We give him too much credit when we should be walking with a renewed mind and an upright spirit and empowered by the Holy Spirit. 
There is so much more to life than what I talked about with that bubbling up and the blowing your top. Be scared when we even sing all together. That's right. We all pray all together. That's right. We call it worship here. Not just worship. Worship. Because we know that we are actively engaging something that is spiritual and beyond the physical. And when we're doing that, it's empowering us, and God is being motivated by that. Heaven is being stirred. Yeah. We've all seen that, right? Yeah. We've got the prayers, but we've also got the praises. That's right. You've got praises. That's good. So we're gonna get a we're gonna take a minute to do a little bit more worship. The worship team wants to come on up here. But I do want to say that as scary as I've made it sound with these spiritual lions, how they all must bend the knee to the name of Jesus Christ. All of them, regardless of the season or where they come from, how deeply the hurt goes. Jesus has overcome the world. It says in Isaiah 43. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. You are not alone. Who wants to kill some lions today? Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. We're going to do that. I'm going to lead you in another prayer, and then we're going to do some worship. Sound good? All right. Jesus, thank you so much, Father God, that we get to be here in your presence, that we're not alone, that we're amidst a tribe of amazing, amazing saints. God, you're so good. Lions can be terrifying. The discouragement and the blows that come, Father, they can be ruthless. They can come through other people, but we all know that it is the enemy that is at work. And God, I just pray this morning that all of the different areas where discouragement is felt, where there is a heaviness, where there is brokenness, Father God, we just say, take it all. We say no to the darkness, and we say yes to the Holy Spirit, because we are in Christ. We have to overcome I just pray right now that as these things are being lifted up to you, that the burden is being lifted, that the weight is coming off. Father God, the weight of having to do it all is coming off right now. The weight of having to carry it all is coming off right now. The burden of past sin, of brokenness, is coming off right now. We are casting off discouragement and we are picking up joy. We are casting off the issues that we have had with money. We are casting that off. That's got to go. We are casting off the issues that we've had with pornography. That's got to go. We are casting off the language that we've used towards your people and the people in our lives that we've loved. It has got to go. We lift up our marriages to you, Father God, that they would be resurrected that they would be sanctified. We lift up our relationships with our neighbors, God, that our minds would be renewed, that you would give us a way to speak to them. That is a way of a peacemaker, Jesus. We give you all the burdens of this world. 
all the things that we hear, we hear and we feel because of politics and the changing in the world and, and the teaching of our children. We just ask, Father God, that you would move and that you would move powerfully, that you would strip the teeth from the lion, and that we would recognize the mighty saints that we are in your name. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. Lastly, in Matthew, it says, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Who here needs rest? Jesus, we just ask, Father, that you would overwhelm us with your peace. Regardless of the season, if it is a slow season or a busy season, we just want to feel your peace and experience your joy more fully than we ever have before. And if we've known it before, but we've gotten confused and we've forgotten it, God, now we return to it, Jesus. Just pray that you would move in your mighty name. And lastly, God put it on my heart that there are some people who are experiencing or struggling with some unforgiveness. So this morning, if that is you, everybody's eyes closed, every head bowed. If you need prayer for struggling with forgiveness in your life, just lift up your hand. We're going to pray. I see that hand. I see those hands. Yep, very good. I see that hand. God, all the different places where we hurt each other, whether it's a family member or a friend who we deeply love and respected. God, if there's brokenness from the church, if we've been hurt by the church, if we've been hurt by our nation, by our neighbor, by our father, by our mother, Wherever that brokenness is, Father God, right now, we extend forgiveness. We say in our heart of hearts, Jesus, I forgive them for what they did. What I experienced, what they said, what I might have said in return, forgive me as I choose to forgive them. And I just pray right now that his relief and his peace would flow over you and comfort you in a way that you have not been comforted in a long time. The next time that you see this person, I pray for God to work a miracle in that relationship. For you to not feel hurt, but instead to be able to extend love somehow, miraculously, supernaturally, that you would be able to extend love and to return an unkind word for a kind one, one of love. You are called to be a peacemaker. Be at peace in Jesus' mighty name. God's people said, Amen. If you want to stand to your feet, we're going to do one more song of worship.